Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. This week's topical discussion <laughs> is one that I chose and um, and Tracy is the expert on. Um, and <laughs> You are. I, I, I you sense are. passing of the book. Not at all, <laughs> not at all. I thought it would be useful to talk about KPIs, key performance indicators. You know, everybody talks about KPIs all the time. And yet, does anybody actually really know what they are and what's the point of them? Um, the, one of the best ways to ma- you know, maintain staff engagement and uh, motivate them is to give them some boundaries and set some objectives and goals but of course if you don't measure those then it's going to be really difficult for for any of us to feel that we've achieved the objective so KPIs cover a whole range of elements of the business from you know financials through to conversion rates um, with, you know, getting new customers, uh, customer satisfaction, the whole gamut. Uh, And if you don't, and if you don't get them right, then you run the risk of disengaging your staff and losing traction in terms of growing the business. Now, um, KPIs are with us and they're here to stay. And Tracy's got this fat book that's called Key performance indicators, indicators, which just what it says on the tin. Yes, I mean it looks riveting. Uh, Why have you got that book, Tracy? Because I've spent most of my career tracking KPIs for various companies that I've worked for, and some with, with more success than others. I would say a KPI, so a key performance indicator, is very. um simply defined as a quantifiable measure so it's numbers that a company uses to gauge its performance or to compare performance with previous periods or compare performance Mm -hmm. with other companies or um, different divisions and the the main aim of it is to help them towards their strategic goals and in my experience that's the most difficult bit so there as you said there are a wide range of things that you can measure in in any business from um from the financials um to marketing and the customers and to the employees but picking the right measure to track is probably the most difficult part of it once you've decided what it is that drives success in your business actual monitoring it and keeping track of it is the easy bit and I would say that where KPIs haven't worked for a business it's because they haven't spent enough time or haven't really understood the value of picking the right KPI for that company and and it might be that your KPI is very different to the the KPI set that next door neighbour company has it's got to be something that's very specific about how you can improve your business by looking at these figures and and as you say it can it can be a great motivator for employees but if you use badly it can be a really big demotivator as well so if you're constantly being measured against things that actually don't really matter and don't improve things in your business or you're failing to achieve targets that aren't really achievable then you can imagine what that does to the um, staff motivation Mm. do you think that uh, sometimes if we're looking at we're looking at growing our business we there are some kpis that we don't want to look at because they might tell us something (laughs) that we don't want to hear so then we're drawn to oh well yeah i'll I'll just look at this you know i'll just look at turnover or i'll just look at the number of 
people on my database or, you know, the, yeah. the, the, these figures that are actually not moving things forward. I think there's two th- two elements to that. One would be the things you don't want to look at because, you know, it's going to be bad news. In your heart of hearts, And then yeah. you're going to have to deal with it. But also, a lot of the times, um, it's about going to where your comfort zone is. So if you're really into the finances, you may base all of your KPIs yeah. on profitability and margins and the bottom line the top line and all of this everything in between whereas actually you should be looking at some employee engagement indices or looking at um, customer engagement indices instead so I think if you just go to your comfort zone then you're in danger of of using quite a skewed data set uh, there's quite a lot of resources out there so as you said I've, I've got a, a rather thick book that I use and it's it's quite useful because um it classifies the the key performance indicators into different perspectives. So um, part one is is all the indicators from a financial perspective. Then it moves on to the customer perspective and then looking at the operational processes and supply chain and then to the employees and then corporate social responsibility. So you've got all of those different aspects to look at. And it gives a short um, description and ideas on how you can calculate it but each one is no more than about four pages long so it it, it isn't really heavy and difficult to read and you can just go and and pick a couple of categories have a read try and calculate them for yourself and see if they apply to your business across a range of factors I've never sat down and read through all 75 KPIs in this book it's it's very much a dipping into book but if you're interested it's called Key Performance Indicators by a gentleman called Bernard Marr and it's part of the Financial Times publishing series. I bought it from that online um, bookstore that we uh, mentioned so many times and we'll put a link for that in our blog because I think that's worth doing. But I looked online to see what else was available if you didn't want to invest in a book. If you put KPIs in, there's a a plethora of information, but the couple of really useful ones I found was one was called strateginfo.com and they've got a a KPI cheat sheet that you can download. It's just got some tips. It's not terribly long, but it, it goes through and talks you through um, how to think about designing a KPI for your business. So what does success look like for your business? Because you want to base your KPI on what success is um, specific to your business. And, and then focusing on your goals, encouraging accountability. And then another place that was really useful was um, a website called clearpointstrategy.com. And just four little points with um, how to be effective as a KPI. It must be well-defined and quantifiable. Oh, Heather, that's the resource you got. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I, that's no, no, your that's, thunder. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Um, you must communicate it throughout your organisation. It must be a crucial part of achieving your goal, which is what I was saying before, and it must be applicable to the business that you're doing. So um, they also give, rather helpfully, I thought, 18 examples of different key performance indicators. So uh, it's a similar sort of idea to the book, which has got 75 key performance indicators, and Clearpoint Strategy has got 18. So you looked through the same resource, Heather. What did you pick up from that one? I went one step further and... and um downloaded um, their Clearpoint strategy, which has got 53 customer KPIs and scorecard measures. So it's looking at customers. Now, what 
what I thought, so this is very specifically about the customer, uh, and they split that into three areas. So they've got the life cycle, so, you know, your conversion rate, um, retention, uh, repeat repeat orders, etc. Um, the va- lifetime value of the customer. So they start to really look at, okay, who are our customers and, and what do they mean to the business in terms of financials? Then they start to look at numbers and rates. So that's... Um, the average number of referrals per user, a click-through rate, bounce rate. So you know when they, how they contact people, what their success rate is through different communication channels, and then they look at satisfaction KPIs. So where you start to gauge, you know, what the customer thinks and whether they um, they like a particular feature, um, happiness with the buying process. You know, how easy were we to deal with, um, intention to repurchase purchase would you recommend us that kind of more traditional customer feedback stuff now i think when you use the the phrase um, key performance indicators or kpi that it might put some people off and think oh that's that's for big companies that you know i i don't need to do this but uh, i think most small business owners through to medium to the large ones you know they all have measures anyway i think they all even if they don't call it a kpi there are certain measures that you can use and you probably do use even if you just do it in your head to measure your own success so yeah. a kpi is just formalizing yeah. what you probably already do it can be as simple as you like i mean you know i'm a sole trader you know i know that if i you know if i want to run a, a workshop and i want to get 12 people on it i know how long in advance i need to start marketing that I need to know roughly how many flyers or you know pieces of, of information I need to print to be able to hand out. I know how many people I need to you know have a chat with in order to convert those into twelve bums on seats. So you know, it can be something as simple as that. Or you know you pick up the phone thirty times, you're going to get one appointment. Okay, that's a KPI. So you know, and if you pick up the phone sixty times and you haven't got any appointments, well, you've missed the mark. I don't want to worry you, but actually I do because there are only 99 days left until you have to have filed your 2017-2018 tax return and paid any tax that is due. So avoid the last minute rush and complete it before Christmas, why don't you? (laughs) Treat yourself. Go on. You can uh, complete the self-assessment for the previous tax year from 6th of April. So um, a round of applause to anybody that's done that. Um, However, many wait um, until after Christmas Personally, I find that period between Christmas and New Year's a great time for doing your tax return. Um, but this year, I've actually uh, I've, I've done a little bit more in advance than that. So, yeah, if you could just give me a little pat on the back, well Heather, done, thank you. D- don't they usually um, declare how many people filed their tax return on Christmas Day? Yeah, they, they do. do a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to admit that there there have been times when New Year's Eve has been quite close. I've never left it right until the thirty first of January, though. No, but yes, no, that would be crazy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> but um, last year, more than 11 million customers completed their 2016-2017 self-assessment tax return and 10.7 million completed it on time. So 0.3 okay. million. So yeah. 300,000 didn't. Um, actually, 4.8 million um, filed it in January, which is 44.8% of the total. And 758,000 were on the 31st of January. Goodness me. That's that's nerve-wracking, that is. What happens if the computer goes down? 
What happens if there's a power cut? Yes. What happens if the internet fails? Yeah. You're still liable. And uh, again, um, as well as um, publishing how many people um, submit their tax returns on Christmas Day and New Year's Eve and things like that, uh, they, they also do... Um, remind people that there are very few excuses to get you out of the tax return and normally publish a list of excuses that have failed you know right. like the dog ate my tax return doesn't wash no. uh, i was on holiday when it had to be submitted that doesn't work so it's 99 days away um but once you start getting into christmas period the time just flies yeah. so the recommendation is from hm revenue and customs you get a move on now yeah, crack on and uh, there are plenty of um online uh, assistance there is even still a telephone helpline that you can call still at the moment um uh, but if you want any help with your tax return the first place um that hm revenue and customs suggest you go is their website gov.uk Heather, what have you got? I've got a few events that I've found. Uh, on the 3rd of November in, um, in, in Wrexham, at the Wrexham Enterprise Hub, uh, it's, which is a Saturday morning. It's just a two-hour event. It's run by uh, Inga Davis um, from the HR Template Shop. Contracts of Employment... A two-hour session looking at what you need to know, make sure that you are... Um, in, in line with what you're you're supposed to be doing and I, I thought I'd pick that one because it is a Saturday because so often it's difficult to get time out of the office to attend any of these things and of course there is a networking opportunity there. I picked up um, Office 365 Unlock the Potential with us talking about KPIs. I thought that this was a particularly interesting one. This is about how to make sure that you're using Office 365 to do all sorts of things. You can um, you can generate customer surveys, automate business processes and generate business intelligence reports and that it was the connection with KPIs. This is being held at a number of locations across um, across Wales but locally the 13th of November it's going to be held at Moneypenny. It's from 8.30 till 11.30 but it's also um, on the 7th of November up at Degamwy. Um yeah, so I'll put details of that and the various locations on the website. Uh, this is one that caught my eye. Um, it's Entrepreneurs in at Manchester. This is 27th of November. It's an evening event, five till two. And it caught my eye because the guest speaker is Wayne Hemingway from Red or Dead. And I have a particular interest in Wayne Hemingway because, as an anecdote, I was coaching a young man uh, who a young artist and we started the session by he wanted to be a successful artist so I said okay well, I want you to think about who you see as a successful artist or you know and he, he said he came up with several names one of which was Wayne Hemingway and he said I said right if you have to rank these people um, who do you think you know who do you wish to emulate the most he said Wayne Hemingway I said right okay so one of the tasks that I set him was to write to these five people and ask them what they, they tell tell them these are the things that I think makes for a successful artist um, would you agree and the only person who responded was Wayne Hemingway so he when I suggested that he write to him he looked at me like I was completely bonkers <laughs> and when he got a reply back it, 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 it made his day so um so I saw that so I just thought it would be an interesting an interesting session it's at um 
the Alliance Manchester Business School. Uh, and as I say, it's a, it's an evening event. And then finally, um, we talk a lot about TED Talks um, and TEDx, which is like the, the mini TED Talk um, event. There's the, the first ever TEDx Women Conference in the North. It's on Friday the 7th of December. These do get booked up. It runs from 10 till 4.30. Um, there are a number of, um, as you would expect, women uh, who are going to be speaking. Um, there's a lady who was the first black woman police officer in Merseyside, um, a lady from BBC Music, um, somebody from the Body Positive Campaigner, uh, trans activists you know, just a really varied program um it's it's a ticketed event uh, tickets run between 35 pounds and 90 pounds and again i will it's at tate liverpool so it, it just, i was going to say it says north yes it? yes do we just have to guess where? yeah no no where tate liverpool oh, tate liverpool <laughs> so uh, yeah so that looks like a goodie um details on the website thebusiness.community it's time for our book review and this week we're looking at a book that um that is interesting in 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 many ways uh it's a book that my husband has read and i remember when he was reading it he used to um read out excerpts to me uh and the essence of the book the book is called freakonomics you might have heard of it um and the essence of the book is around um helping us to make better decisions and it's showing us how data is used to exploit us, really, uh, and uh, manipulate us, with, sometimes without us even noticing. Um, the book is by a guy called Stephen Dubner. And the types of questions and statements that it that it poses are, why do people donate more money to the bagel man when it's sunny? I guess that's the guy who's begging. Um, what you should do when your car dealer says it's now or never what happens when people don't upload upload a picture on dating sites and how our brain wants to jump to immediate conclusions it also poses the question why do we worry a lot more about dying in a plane crash than in a car accident and all things in between um freakonomics is uh is reviewed on the four minute books website which is um one of our favorite book review websites and it it talks about three different themes. There are three key lessons. The first one is there are three kinds of incentives that dominate your life's choices, economic, social and moral. Uh, and they go on to talk about um, the more that um, the more types of incentives are joined together. So if it's economic and social, then the more powerful the incentive gets. Uh, they talk about experts being incentivized to abuse us that they know more than we do. So they position themselves as an expert, therefore, we're, and then we're more likely to listen to them. So if I tell you I'm an expert in something, you're 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 more than likely to believe me um, without challenging that. And the third, if I can find it, is just because two things happen simultaneously doesn't mean that one causes the other. And I know, Tracy, that's one of the ones that sort of stands out for you. You have a copy of this book. What do you think of it? Honestly? Okay, I hate it. Oh! Yeah, I've said it, I hate it. I've had it for years and it was one of those popular books that everybody was reading 
um, a few years ago and it was on my wish list and I started to read it thinking this is brilliant and as you can see the book is fairly pristine and most yeah. books that I own are not pristine because I will return to them I'll make notes in them I'll, the spine will get broken I might have lent it to somebody and it's it's come back this one I had to dig around for it in the um, <laughs> bookshelf and it was I'd get all the dust off it and start again and clearly I've tried to read it three or four different times and um, so I tried this week, knowing I got a deadline, think, feeling really pleased with myself that one of the books we were reviewing, I actually had a hard copy of and I could sit and flick through it. And I, I think I must have got to about the same point again. Uh, it falls open at page 67 very easily. OK. <laughs> oh, I couldn't get past it. I just can't warm to it. And I'm in the minority. So if you, if you look at Amazon, um, the reviews are, are largely uh, positive, uh, 46% um, give five stars, 25% give four stars, even 17 give three stars. And then down two and one stars is 7% and 5%. I'm very definitely in the, if I could give it no stars, I maybe would. Oh, and wow. I just could not warm to it. I, I found it, well, I didn't feel it was economics for a start. If you want yeah. to read economics, there are much better economics. I think if it had sold itself as a book, a sociology book, it might have sat better with me. But um, calling themselves rogue economists just didn't sit with me because I didn't think there was that much rogue about them. Right. And they, they were telling it like it is. But then um, a book that we reviewed a few weeks ago, a brand washed, I think that did it so much better. Yeah. And it's they, they were talking about how, you know, advertising and, and marketing can, can actually influence you strongly. And this is very similar. It's it's more down that line, but I think Brandwash did it better. Um, and I think if you want to really understand economics, there's better than this, especially with the the bit like you said about the causality um, and you know that difference between um, you know just because something happens doesn't mean to say that that caused it. Yeah. Um, so. In many cases, they, they were saying that, you know, that that's a big problem. You know, the assumption that uh, this correlation is there between these two things, hence one must have caused the other. But there were a number of times in the book where they actually jumped to those sorts of conclusions themselves. Which, but, you you know, you've just, you've just jumped to a conclusion. Not, yeah. You just made a link there, which is, you know, just off the top of your own head. You, you've, you've, you've made this up. And because they're rogue economists... You know, that they were allowed to say these things, whereas, you know, maybe a non-rogue economist might have put more thought into it. I don't know. They they do back it up, which is really quite interesting. They put loads and loads of references in there here. So having said they're rogue economists, they're very keen to justify their findings. So the notes are... Um, a, a big section right at the back of the book where they, they put all of their references to the research that they've done. So maybe they don't like being that rogue. But uh, anyway, sorry, sorry, I've, I've no, gone on no, a little bit okay. about how much I really don't like that book. No offence to anybody who gets it and loves it. It's very much a personal opinion, but there are better books on the economy than that. Do you think, though, that it is, if you if you came at it, maybe it's the title, maybe if, if you come at it as not being about the economy and actually just being about, you know, mind the games world. and the world yeah. and, the, you know, that it, your expectation would be set differently therefore it might have more appeal yeah I think you've raised this with me before when I've been a, a bit skeptical about some self-help books 
And so actually, if this is the first time you've read about that, that might be mind blowing. So yeah. some of the things that they mention in here, if you hadn't already read it in Brandwashed or somewhere yeah. else, you might have got, oh, actually, that's life changing. So, yeah, I, yeah. I give you that one. Um, and, and I've studied some economics and I've you know formed some of my own opinions about economics many, many years back at university. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not really into traditional economics so much but I think if you want a, um, a good explanation of it Yanis Varoufakis explains it wonderfully well it, there's um Yanis Varoufakis used to be the finance minister in Greece for a very short period of time but he writes brilliantly about um, the economy and one of his more recent books is called um talking to my daughter about the economy and it was written for his 12 year old daughter and uh, that's that really is pretty much my level with economics. Um, <laughs> but um, if, if it's OK, I'll just read you out a, a little section, which is why I think this book is, yeah, is more valuable than free economics. He says, as a teacher of economics, I have always believed that if you're not able to explain the economy in a language that young people can understand, understand then quite simply you are clueless yourself which I've always thought about lots of things you know I I've come from an IT and a finance background and jargon just creates yeah. a smokescreen and if you can't explain something in layman's terms then you've fallen for your own hype really yeah. you should be able to explain it and um, it then goes on to say his book is his attempt to do the opposite of popularising economics. If it succeeds, this book should incite its readers to take the economy in their own hands and make them realise that to understand the economy, they also have to understand why the self-appointed experts on the economy, the economists, are almost always wrong. So he's more of a rogue economist than the guys yeah, yeah, who I claim to be yeah. rogue economists. Ensuring that everyone is allowed to talk authoritatively about the economy is a prerequisite for a good society and a precondition for an authentic democracy. And I think that the fact that he's saying you should you should explain the economy in layman's terms so that you know his twelve year old daughter can understand it, and you know in the same way as. Um, the two Stevens were talking in free economics, you know, not relying on on the experts. He's he's talking from the the same angle, but he just does explain it really, really right. well. Okay. And I read it in one sitting, whereas it's taken me many years to not even get past the first chapter of free economics. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's so, rather bold of me, but no, I hate it. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. And, and the 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 four minute books guy not only liked the book but he really liked the blinkist um um version of the book so he he was he was yeah he was he was raving about that so maybe don't don't, don't take my word <laughs> yeah don't take my word for it but um, have a look on blinkist and see what you think yeah i thought four minute books so he always gives a really good summary of these things and i think that the takeaway elements of free economics from four minute books and and then perhaps from blinkist are the valuable bits maybe the bit that i couldn't get on with was the way that they delivered the message this is the business community on Callan FM and the part of the show where we feature a business leader or business guru. We haven't said guru for ages, have we? No, we moved oh, I miss that. I think guru. we need to go back to gurus. Okay. I like but gurus. They, sometimes they aren't gurus, are they? No, can we can we find some gurus, please, okay. just so we can say guru a lot Please more. let us know your gurus. <laughs> your business guru. But this week, uh, I think you could safely say he, he's probably a business leader with guru status, maybe. Yes, yes um, And so. it's uh, David McKenzie Ogilvy, CBE, who was, um, was born in 1911. 
died in 1999 and is popularly known as the father of advertising. I found it, I, I vaguely knew of him when, when you mentioned his name last week, Heather, as a subject uh, for research. And I, I, I'd heard of the advertising agencies that he's been involved in. But his background and his, his like childhood and the way he got into advertising is absolutely fascinating. I, I was really pleased to have done that background research. Um, he won scholarships to, to school, um, I think, uh, his father didn't have loads of money so he didn't buy his way into uh, these schools he went to a good college in edinburgh and then he won a scholarship to christchurch in oxford and uh, he left oxford he didn't finish degree he went to work in paris and became an apprentice chef and uh, then he returned and he started selling arg um, cookers and um, part of his job selling cookers was to write an instruction manual for the cookers and uh, it it was apparently one of the best instruction manuals ever written. I, I don't know right. if, if that is right or not, but um, Fortune magazine say it is. So Gosh. there we go. And um, David Ogilvy, Ogilvy's brother was working for um, an advertising agency at the time. And he saw the instruction manual and took it into work to show them what his brother had written. And they offered him a position as an account executive at uh, Mather and Crowther and uh, the rest is history really because then he started working in advertising and he became the big name that he is from from that sort of background writing an instruction manual for an Arga that's a great that's place a, to start it is, isn't it yeah yeah um, but apparently during World War Two, he worked for the British Intelligence Service and the British Embassy and um, he used to recommend on diplomacy and security Quite an interesting background before he even gets stuck into advertising. Uh, what did you find about him? Well, I googled him as as is so often the first starting point with with these things. And the first thing that I came across that I loved was Ogilvy.com, which is um, the organisation that that he set up. And just as a resource. It's a really interesting website. It's it's easy to navigate. It's got some really interesting blogs and articles about business, about trends, about the economy. Um, it's a really clean website, it's, isn't it? It's, it's really interesting brilliant. looking. Yeah, it is brilliant. I mean, when it says the team and there are about, you know, 90 of them and it's just photos of people. But actually, if you go beyond that... I, yeah, I think it's I think it's it's one that I'm going to revisit because it's going to be topical. It's going to be well written because that's what they do. Um, but I also found something that is, is just a really interesting read, and it's um, David Ogilvy uh, on advertising. His seven commandments and quotes all marketers must know. And this document, which is on postcron.com. Um, it has examples of adverts. It it has lots of statements that he makes. Um, like the first commandment is, your role is to sell. Don't let anything distract you from the sole purpose of advertising. And he goes on to give examples of um, different adverts and how they've worked um, and how the wording is really important and how, you know, make every word count. Don't write complicated headlines understand your consumer you know there, there are lots of different ones i mean for example there is there's a copy of an advert um that was um uh a, the 
um, British Columbia Lung Association um, fighting lung cancer. And basically the, the advert, it's a black square with white writing and it says, for more information on lung cancer, keep smoking. <laughs> That's brilliant, you know, isn't it? So he, he starts to talk about, you know, how you make these words work. Uh, and that's clear, you know, it doesn't take you long to figure it out. So that is just a really interesting document to read. I, I think the, the f- label of the father of advertising is, seems to be well earned because a lot of the stuff that we now take for granted and you just go, well, yeah, of course, that's right. He actually brought about, he, he changed the industry in that respect. Um, he he thought that um, adverts shouldn't have loud patronising voices, you know. And if you're thinking back to when he's talking about, you know, the, the 50s here, they had loud patronising voices yeah, for the, yeah. the good wife at home. Yeah. Um, and his belief was that the customer needed to be treated as intelligent. Uh, essentially, he said the customer is not a moron. Yeah, yeah. And and it's a really good point. Um, And he believed that the best way to get new clients was to do good work for existing clients. Again, it seems obvious now, but at the time it wasn't. And he's um, also well known for um, some of the work he's done for Rolls-Royce and Shell. But um, one of his greatest successes, apparently, was a campaign he did for Dove, the soap, in America. And the strap line was, only Dove is one quarter moisturising cream. And that helped Dove to become the top-selling soap in in America. And, uh, yeah, I I really sort of... When when I first read about it as the father of modern modern advertising, I think, okay, well, where's this come from? But reading about it, it it seems to be well-earned, particularly as uh, he's written a um, a couple of books as well. And one of them, called The Confessions of an Advertising Man, was published in 1963, but it's still considered required reading in, in advertising circles now. And he, he talks about um, advertising copywriting in the book. And uh, it, it, it's actually a manual on how to do it right. Yep. And uh, I, I think uh, that's, you know, if that isn't on your shelf and you're involved in copywriting, then I think perhaps you need to dig out copy. Well, that leads quite neatly to, you know, we, we usually finish with a quote. Well, yep. one of the one of the things that he says is, I never assign a product to a writer unless I know that he or she is personally interested in it. Every time I've written a bad campaign, it has been because the product did not interest me. And I think that's true of anything. If you've got somebody doing a job that they're not interested in, it's going to be reflected in the quality of their work. So, um, so yeah, I think if you're, if you're writing copy, hey, you've got to be connected or engaged with it in some way. And well, the quote, quote that I liked, um, that I'd like to um, end the show with, really, is um, every advertisement should be thought of as a contribution to the complex symbol, which is the brand image. Mm, fantastic okay well that's about all we've got time for this week we will be back next week um so thank you for joining us on the business community you've been listening to the business community with me heather noble and me tracy jones join us next week for more news views and reviews from the world of business